You're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. Today's episode will be a part of our People Leader Series, where we go behind the scenes with today's top HR leaders and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they're at and what they really do every day. Hope you enjoy. What's up, man? Man, I can't. I was on a call just before we started recording this, and the person I was meeting with was like, hey, it's day 44 of 2024. And I was like, oh my God, why did you have to put it that way? That seems crazy. It's like day 40. We're already 44 days in. It just feels insane to me. Hearing you say that like evoked bodily sensations in in like my stomach and in my chest that kind of stressed me out. I don't know why, (laughs) but um, yeah, I guess the fact that things are just flying by, but um, apart from that, I'm good. This is our first one-on-one episode that we've done in way too long. And I have an idea. Be curious to get your thoughts, but how would you feel about calling these episodes Wertonomics? So like for people listening, Stephen likes to say that there's a lot of like Wertonomics that goes into the statements that he makes or his beliefs. I don't know if I have a good example off the top of my head. Do you have one? I don't. It's essentially when... I have an idea that is not backed by data or any sort of like factual information. It's like my gut instinct believes and my girlfriend hounds me because she says that a lot of my things based on where economics and I have a biased opinion on this. I think they're great ideas, but apparently not all of them, but most of them are fun to talk about. So I think our one-on-one risk being called where economics is amazing. And we do have some data to back up what we're talking about. So, so this is legit where yeah, it's, it's legit where it's Okay. Okay. All right. So let's do good news stories. Okay. Do you have anything? Oof. I'll let you go first. Hmm. Okay. So let's actually, see. I yeah, this is the first time I'm actually not prepared. <laughs> I'll go with good news stories. So my good news is work related. And it is, I posted on LinkedIn about this yesterday. I've been having all of these one-on-ones and it's tough out there. HR leaders, people leaders are still like struggling. And I feel like there is a lot that is not ideal for people leaders right now. And there's challenge and people are having to persevere through some really tough things, but there's a lot of positivity And so sometimes I feel like we live in this echo chamber of like issues and strife and challenges and like, it's like a negative, it can be a negative lens on everything we're doing in our community. And there's a lot of positive going on. So that's my good news at the most basic level, but more specifically, like, I'm just impressed at like how many people in the people community are have ideas to just like do things that are radically different or like really wanting to improve. Like the call I just got off of her passion is DEI and sustainability. And the nexus of those two is like where she would like to spend her time. And it's just like hearing these like stories and hearing these ideas, it just, again, makes me so grateful to be part of the community, to have done what we've done with the modern people leader And to be at this point where people want to come to us and share things with us. And so that's my good news. There's just a lot, a lot of cool things happening in the people space. Yeah. I'll piggyback off of uh, your good news. So 
this is one of the weeks where we have multiple podcast recordings. This is podcast three out of four. Tomorrow is going to be the final episode that we record, and it's with David Hanrahan. My boy, David. And similar to how you were saying, there are just a lot of new ideas. People are coming to the table with radically different approaches to the work they're doing. Yeah. And one thing that we're going to talk about with him tomorrow is the idea of team performance reviews versus individual performance reviews. I've never really heard of anybody testing this out. I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to learn. Like, that's the good news. Like, that's whenever I have that feeling going into a podcast, I know it's going to be a really good one. Look, David Hanrahan is a genius. When I meet with him, he talks about these things, and it's just like, so I feel like, again, in the spirit of weirdonomics, I feel like I have some pretty good ideas. But when I meet with him, I'm like, oh, wow, like I am just in the Bush leagues. <laughs> like he is just, and there are others, right? It's not just David. We meet with a lot of people like that, but so stoked for that conversation tomorrow. Yeah. What do they say? The the more you know, the less you know. Oh. That's how I feel every time we have one of these episodes. I'm like, all right, I really don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, my man. And real quick, I've got one last good news story from our friends over at Leapsum. As of last week, they've made their meetings module free for everybody. So this is a feature that's been a customer favorite for a while now, and they've decided to make it publicly available. With the meetings module, you can create templates, collaborative agendas, and you can even add in action items and next steps. When we spoke with Jenny, their CEO recently, she mentioned that the meetings module is actually her secret weapon. She's uploaded her, her template for her one-on-ones. She also uses it for team meetings. And it's one of her favorite tools to use. So if you're hoping to make inefficient meetings a thing of the past, just click the link in the show notes to create your free account. And now, back to the show. So I think the last time that we did one of these episodes was back in March 2023. Wow. I know, right? March? Almost a year ago. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was back when we used to go to the clubhouse, which is this co-working space that we used to have access to here in Austin. And we recorded episode 100. I want us to get back in the rhythm of doing these at least, I don't know, twice a month. I think that's maybe a good rhythm, or maybe we'll start with once a month. But since it's been so long, I thought it would be fun to start with each of us sharing like the one biggest change that's happened for us since last year, or I guess since March, 2023, since it's almost been a year. So is there like one big change that you've either experienced personally or professionally that you want to talk about? Yeah. And before we do that, it's interesting that, well, first of all, like the fact that it's been a year is insane to me because it feels like yesterday. So that's like my first reflection. My second reflection is I remember our one-on-ones being like the hardest episodes, which is silly because we would always be like, oh, it's going to be so easy. We're just going to get on and we're going to talk. But then when I would prepare for them, it's like I held the standard even higher for some reason. And I think that's part of the reason why we never found a good rhythm. And this time around, like I think we had maybe you brought a one-on-one riff up in our last like L10 meeting. And for those listening, our L10, we have several meeting cadences. We follow the Traction EOS model. And so the L10 is just like our weekly, like all department meeting, which for us, it's just two of us. So we just go through every aspect of the business and you brought it up and I was like, oh yeah, let's riff. Like, why not? I feel like 
I've changed as a podcaster, I think is what I'm trying to say. And that's not my most profound change from the last year, but that is a profound change that's coming up for me is like, I'm not even hesitating to do this. And like, literally we have less structure than what we would have had in the past. So that's pretty cool. As far as change, I think if we're looking at the last year, I would be remiss to not call out selling my business. Like, I think that is by far the biggest change. And now that I'm like, because that was April of 2023. So it's a little under a year. So it was not too far off the last time we recorded one of these. And first of all, it was a grueling. So if I look back to March of last year, I was at the tail end of a six-month M&A process. And it was already stressful because we were kind of running out of options. The biggest issue was that the CEO, i.e. me, was burnt out and was ready for something new. I had these huge feelings of like loyalty, of wanting to persevere, but also knowing like the tank was empty and something had to change. And so I had already, at this point, March 2023, I had already convinced my board to take seven months of runway and invested in rebuilding our product from scratch and a feat that like we didn't even think would be possible. In fact, I told the board, like, we're probably not going to succeed at this, but at least we'll have a better asset to sell. You'll have a better asset to sell if I'm no longer around. And, you know, long story short, it all worked out. But in March, the deal wasn't done. It ended up closing in April. And so I was still full of doubt. And you probably remember, Daniel, I was like, freaking calling you like, everything's off. And then I would, we would talk like a day and a half later. We're like, we're shutting down. We have two days of runway. We're about to shut down. And then the yeah. day later, you'd be like, it's back on. <laughs> and that is like, I definitely have less hair and I definitely have more grays because it just was so stressful. And so fast forward a year and I now realize that this is probably the biggest change that has happened to me in the last two decades. I have like profoundly changed as a person. I don't know if you recognize it. I think my partner, my girlfriend, Sarah recognizes it. The story that I'll tell is like the day that we closed, I happened to like, I think it was a Tuesday. And then Wednesday we had the acquirer had already booked tickets and they were here in Austin to like go into the war room and start working through integration. And so then Thursday, I have my girls every Thursday, I pick up my daughter at first. And she looks at me and she goes, did you sell Workify? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I go, how did you know? And she was like, I don't know. You're just smiling and you seem so happy. And you're like the way you're walking. And that's kind of sad. Like my first reaction was like sadness. Like, wow, I was that preoccupied with this for so long that like, my daughter just knew that it had happened because of my demeanor. But then I realized, like, I don't have to focus on the negatives. Like, this is awesome. This is amazing. And I think as much as accomplishing the milestone of selling my company, it was like the relief of knowing that I could put both of my feet into the next chapter of my career. And, and like being able to fully have ownership of that has just been life-changing for me. It really has, which is great because the exit itself wasn't life-changing. It was fine, yeah. but it wasn't life-changing. So I think that's my biggest change for the year. 
I mean, that's a pretty big change. I also have more gray hairs this year than I had last year. Actually, <laughs> like probably double the amount of gray hairs. It's like the first thing that people notice whenever they they see me in person for the first time in a while. But they don't know Big Al. They don't know Big yeah. Al. Well, for, and I how tell could, them. if they do know Big Al, how could they? Because Big Al... So Big Al is my dad for people listening. And he, he's he been fully gray since he was like 30 or 32. And I'm turning but He's been bald for like the last five years. So now, like even now, yeah. you wouldn't even know that he was fully gray. Yeah. So I guess that's what I have to look forward to. <laughs> okay. So what's my biggest change? Well... I guess if we go back to March of last year, mm-hmm. I was three or four months removed from just being laid off at Humu. And so like, you know, I get laid off in November, December, I'm like, I think I should go all in on Modern People Leader. I convince you, I'm like, you know, let's incorporate, let's make this a business. And then- Well, for the record, you didn't convince me, remember? I was like, I am not the right person. Like you need to oh, talk yeah, to, to Tori. Tori. You need yeah. to make sure Tori is okay with this. You just guys, you guys just got married. And so, so long as that's in, like I'm in, like if whatever's yeah. right for you and for Tori. That's true. And so that worked out. Like what yeah. was her immediate reaction? I'm just curious since we're riffing. I think she was okay with it because I had a conversation with her the day before I got laid off and oh, yeah. I expressed that. I wanted to do the modern people leader full time because this is way more fun. This is our baby. Yeah, it just felt like a no brainer to me. And it was a hobby for two years. I really love it. When I asked her the night before, she was like, maybe you should close a deal first. Like, have at least one sponsor, have like some income from the business. And that way you're just not like starting from scratch. And I was like, okay, that's good feedback. The next day I get laid off and. <laughs> I guess the one positive that came out of that was that I got two months severance. So (laughs) I viewed that as two months runway. So get laid off like first or second week of November, had two months runway. I was like, all right, by mid-January, we need to have at least one paying sponsor. And it happened. We ended up partnering with Transform and I was like, all right. So I have another month's runway and I kind of lived in Shout that. Shout out to Cody at Transform for like taking a risk and, real. and believing in what we were doing. Yeah. But like there was probably like five or six months or maybe like seven months, like all the way to July, August. We're bringing on new sponsors, but there are other expenses that we have to pay for in the business. So I wasn't able to pay myself. So fast forward to today and... We are now in a health, I'd say a pretty healthy spot and I have a salary, which, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty towards the middle of 2023. And I guess it was good pressure, healthy stress, healthy pressure, but yeah, I couldn't be any happier, like on the professional side of things. And I think that that's bled over into my personal life as well. And yeah, I feel very lucky that I get to sit here and just talk to you about whatever. I mean, this is where it's We're just riffing and this is my job. On that note, so we're also reflecting as your first, essentially your first year or nine months if we're kind of, however you're, we're measuring the look back of you being a full-time startup CEO. And so what are your main takeaways from that? Because I know I don't know about you, but I get so many questions just about getting from zero 
to monetization is so hard and it's cruel. It's like a cruel process of like, you think you have a deal, then it doesn't work through and then you get a deal, but it's like super tiny. And it's like, is this really like meaningful revenue? It's a weird journey. And so I remember when the market started seeing traction, it was like, wow, like, how did you do this? And so what's your answer to that? What is it like in that first year? And what are your key takeaways? Well, I think one thing that you can probably attest to is I'm obsessed with like tracking the smallest of details. And if you're doing that, you can literally see the work that you're putting in and the consistency. And Mm -hmm. once you get in that rhythm, it doesn't feel as bad when you get a no, because you know that you're going to wake up again tomorrow and you're going to do those same. I'll give a few examples. Like I know that I'm going to wake up tomorrow on February 16th. I'm going to post at least two or three times on LinkedIn. I know that we're going to put out at least two episodes a week. I know that we're going to create the video clips. I know that we're going to reach out to at least four or five potential sponsors for the week. I know that we're going to, I don't know, like I'm sure I could go on and on and on, but like there's activities that you can track that are leading indicators of achieving the thing that you're trying to achieve. So if you have two or three main goals as a business and you can like work backwards and say like, okay, well, if we want to achieve these three things, like what can we control to get to that outcome? And I've found that there's like some, I don't know, like some comfort in knowing that as long as I take care of these things and I stay focused and I don't get distracted and like try something else, it's going to happen. If you have faith and you're doing the things that you should be doing, it's going to happen. It might take longer. And I think that you have to be open to, I guess, different paths or like, it may not be how it works out, may not be what you were expecting. And that's fine. And I think you mentioned that yesterday when we were talking. Yeah. The only certain thing is it's not going to play out how you want it or expect it to play out. That's my mantra is like that just be ready because it's not going to be that. The one other thing that I would mention is if you show up the same way to every interaction that you have and you come from a good place and like you're being yourself, like I think that really pays off in the long run. Like I try to like present a very consistent version of myself no matter where I go and who I'm interacting with. And yeah, like I think that there are ways of like taking shortcuts as a business owner and that's easier, but I think in the long run that can come back to bite you. And I think we've definitely both chosen to not go that route. It might take a little bit longer, but yeah, I don't know. Have you seen Kill Bill, the movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's like, and I forget which one it is because it kind of, goes in and out, typical Tarantino style where you're going in the past, you're coming back in from another perspective. But in one of the movies, like it is walking through how Bill trains Uma Thurman's character. Mia, I think is her name. No, Mia is Pulp Fiction. So Uma Thurman's like training to be this like deadly assassin, this complete badass. And she gets to like the mountain where like the guru is going to train her. And she gets there and it's like not what she thinks. 
and it like cuts to scenes of her like literally carrying water yeah. up a mountain and that's what i feel like the early days of entrepreneurship and no one talks about that part everyone talks about like oh amazing scale and we grew 5x and our revenue did like all these amazing things but that has not been my experience my experience has been that of uma thurman and kill bill carrying the the baskets of water up the mountain yeah. as one of my mentors put it it's like chopping wood and carrying water chopping wood and carrying water and that's like the the known knowns are like i'm gonna post two to three times today on linkedin etc cetera, etc cetera. and i feel like the chopping wood and carrying water also kind of helps center you around what's most important and so i commend you and for those of you are just new to listening to the modern people leader, it's been an amazing growth story. And it's one of those things where people are like, oh my God, like overnight success. And is like, it's definitely not overnight. And it wasn't always a success. Like it wasn't our kind of, you know, small goal minds, but today it's a totally different business. And so kudos. Thank you. Kudos to you as well. I mean, the amount of times I've called you and you've called me to get each other's thoughts is I couldn't even, I, I don't know if I had to guess probably like over a hundred hours. I don't know. We've had a lot of those little one-off phone calls and they help. So for sure. And it also helps when you've run other businesses in the past and that's helped us avoid some of the same mistakes that you've made in the past. Yeah. So I think that's definitely contributed to our, our growth as well. Yeah. I think there is a saying like, or maybe it's like actual data, but like the average entrepreneur isn't successful until their third their third venture. And obviously I don't believe in like these broad sweeping yeah. kind of rules. Yeah. And there's a lot of proof points, like people that did not succeed on their third one, right? They just failed again and people that succeed on their first one. But there is something about familiarity and having gone through it before. And I think that's something I often, advice I give to entrepreneurs and people, people that are looking to make moves in the HR space is like, surround yourself with people that have done it before. Like find the people that have like achieved some of the things you're looking to do and get close to them and ask yeah. them questions. Yeah. And I want to move on to the highlights, but before I do, I guess just to add to that point, also like don't be embarrassed by the things that you don't know how to do or you don't understand. I wouldn't have known what lawyer we should have engaged, what I don't know. There's a lot of like little details like that, that I just had no prior experience with. And I feel like I've never really been embarrassed just to say like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Like I just try to take as many notes as possible and then, <laughs> and figure out whatever that person needs from me next. And I'm like, as long as I take care of what I can control and I do whatever it is they're telling me to do, I trust this person for the most part. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I don't know. It can be easy to kind of pretend like you know what's going on when you don't. No one knows. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. what are we going to dig into? What are the highlights that you want to dig into today? Yeah. So I thought that we could both share one highlight from the first 44 days of 2024. We've already published 11 or 12 episodes. Jeez. Yeah. Because we upped the episode count to two a week. So we've already had so much content come out. We've had so many conversations. But I can go first. I yeah. can share the one highlight that comes to mind for me. And I had the benefit of being able to pick my highlight first because I put the outline together. But the one highlight that I immediately thought of was 
Annie Dean's episode. So Annie Dean is the VP of Team Anywhere at Atlassian, and they are truly trailblazers when it comes to distributed work. They've been doing it for a thousand days now, I think is what they say, and they shared their findings. So they documented all of their findings from the last thousand days. They ran some experiments. And then from that, they put out this guide for distributed work. So Annie came on the show and she shared a few different things that really stuck with me, but I'll just pick two of them for in the interest of time. One of them was on team connection and the connection between feeling connected to the company and having like in-person gatherings or like just in-person time at all. And what they found was really interesting. So they found that when they had these like intentional team gatherings where they either brought the entire company together or they brought specific teams together, that this heightened connection lasted for four to five months. And I believe they send out poll surveys so they can track that indicator on a monthly basis. And they say that after four or five months, it starts to dip a little bit. So with that data, they've figured out we need to have some sort of intentional team gathering at least once every four or five months. And I think data like this is really helpful for dispelling some of the myths out there that maybe you need to be in person every day, or you need to have those like sporadic office visits, or you need to be in the office three days a week. What they found was actually the opposite. So they do have offices. They have offices in, I believe, Austin, probably the Bay Area, and a few other cities. And people do use their offices. There are some people that go in two or three days a week. There are some people that go in every day. But what they found in their data is that sporadic office visits have no impact on connection levels. So I wanted to start with that because I think that this has been a debate over the last couple of years. Like, do you need to be in person to feel connected? And what they're showing is kind of, but like once every four or five months, we'll do the trick. Yeah, I love this episode. It was definitely, as you put it, like a pinch me moment interviewing Annie and just like how sometimes I forget how far we've come and like who we have access to in terms of the conversations we can have because we get this like LinkedIn famous person or this industry expert thought leader that joins us. It's like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Annie Dean was definitely one of those. And so the findings were fascinating because I think they're coming out at a time where there's a high demand or desire for this kind of data. Like we've been waiting for this kind of data for like two years now and longer, right? Ever since the pendulum started swinging back from, hey, everyone's going to work remote to like, oop, actually, JK, we need everyone to come back in. And so it's refreshing to have some data yeah. that has interesting findings in it. Because I think there's other data out there and maybe it's like actual economic data, not Huertonomic data. And it just seems like a little, it seems like it's not really saying anything. I see these yeah. numbers and percentages, but it doesn't really seem like it's drawing any conclusions. Whereas these are some pretty specific conclusions, particularly the factor of connection. And, you know, having worked at a, uh, having run a, an engagement survey company, the connection was one of the factors that we measured in our engagement model. And connection 
is it was one of the factors in our engagement model because it's such an important driver of employee engagement. Yeah. Right. And so I love the focus on this particular factor because it implies like we don't need to be in person to be connected. Like, is that right or wrong? And let's see what the data says. And what the data says is, well, at least in Atlassian's case, and I think there are a lot of other companies that kind of can fit the Atlassian profile, that you need interactions in order to drive high levels of connection. You don't need to be in the office sporadically. And you can have intentional meetups where we create this connection and maybe we can even do it in a heightened way. And the data now shows that like, yes, that is true. You can do that. And the period of four to five months, seeing that the, yeah. the connection, that feeling of heightened connection lasts for that long, that's honestly longer than what I thought it would be. Yeah. And they even had data that showed what that looked like for entry-level employees. And I think it was closer to three or four months. But I think the real lesson here is that every company could be tracking this. Every company should be tracking that connection indicator either on a monthly or quarterly or you know whatever the cadence is for your surveys like there are ways of tracking this data you should be tracking this internally and if you do have intentional team gatherings or you know you have an offsite or, or whatever you can connect that to the data that's coming in from your survey so that's the real i guess lesson here while Whenever this I works see, for i'm glad you brought up entry level or like new to career i think is another way hr people put it because i always ask like what would mateo say yeah <laughs> and so for again for those of you that are new daniel has two brothers an older brother and a younger brother and they're all five years apart is that right yeah. four years yeah. five years and so mateo is essentially new to career yeah and so what do you think he would say about I remember conversations that we had and I was surprised to hear like actually some Gen Zers like want to be in the office. Like they're looking for opportunity and connection and, yeah. you know, development paths. And so what do you think his view on this would be? I don't think that he's representative of every Gen Zer because he's a total extrovert. On the spectrum of like introvert to extrovert, he's 100% extrovert. Like he gets energy from being around other people. He's a social butterfly. He's extremely likable. That's just Mateo's personality. He wants to be around other people. So for him, that answer might be, I want to be in the office every day. But I think as he continues in his career and he, you know, maybe one day adds a partner, one day has kids, I think his opinion might change. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I think Mateo would say. And then real quick, I do want to call out one other experiment that they ran, and it was their calendar redesign experiment. They essentially came to the conclusion that it didn't make sense that everybody at the company was spending their day in back-to-back 30-minute meetings. Like That's what everybody's calendar looked like. So they're like, what are some other ways that our employees could be dividing up their time? Like, How are they spending their time on a day-to-day basis at Atlassian? So they came up with two ideas. Idea one was we're going to have people keep 30% of their time free for focus time and for collaboration time. For the other group, so another idea they had, so I guess group B, they said, we're going to have employees meet with their managers on a daily basis to review what their top rock should be. Like, what's the most important task that they need to complete for that day? 
And the results across the board were insane. So across both groups, there was a 31% increase in productivity, a 13% reduction in meeting time, 67% of ICs felt like they were making more progress, and 71% of managers felt like they were making more progress. So I don't know. I was pretty blown away by those stats. And I think one question that we got from the post that we did around this was, well, which group won? Like, which group performed better? And I think the response we got back from the Atlassian team was that the group that was asked to meet with their manager daily to discuss a top rock was significantly more likely to say that they made more progress. I'll stop there because I know we only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to make sure that we squeeze that in. Yeah, no, I think that the second data point, it's also mind boggling, but I feel like that one's a little harder to digest for companies because I can see companies being like, oh, well, how do they define productivity? And oh, well, they're software engineering and oh, like that doesn't apply to me. Whereas like the connection point is like, that seems applicable to everyone. Mind you, with that said, I don't agree with that view. I'm just saying that I can see that reaction to the data point, but I think most people would agree that we're in too fucking many meetings. There's too many meetings. There's meetings about meetings to prep for meetings and it's wasting time and it's draining productivity. And so I think that when I like step back to think about it, it's not all that shocking, but I do feel like we live in a working culture that might be addicted to meetings and it's like any addict, like the first step is realizing you have a problem. And so I think more and more companies need to become aware of this problem. Yeah. And so, you know, on that point, it's great to see this data and to have the comparison point. I'm going to move on just because I know I don't have a lot of time for my one reflection. And in the future, I think we we need to expand our one-on-one risk. We used to have them shorter because we could never fill up an hour, but feels like that might be changing. I was thinking rather than each of us having one highlight, because I think going forward, maybe we just pick one topic for the highlight and then one topic for the additional topic. I want to talk about fractional HR because this is something that we've been hearing from almost everybody that we've met with in the last few weeks. And you're in the process of trying to build out like a fractional HR business. So I'm just like curious to hear your responses to some of these questions. Okay. Like first question, I've never been a consultant or an HR consultant. I'm not familiar with all of the terminology, but what is the difference between an HR consultant and a fractional HR leader? Is there a difference or is it just a rebranding? Ooh, this is a great question. So there is a difference. There is a difference. And I think HR consultants are helping to solve problems, right? And so if I have a benefits problem, I'm reaching out to a benefits consultant. And they're huge ones like Aon Hewitt. There's a huge consulting practice that just focuses and centers around benefits. Whereas a fractional HR executive is more of a filling a people need. Like I have a need to level up or to bring more experience to our leadership team around people and culture topics. But yet I don't have, we're not quite ready in terms of the shape of our business to hire a full-time chief people officer. And so that's the main difference. That's the easiest way for me to differentiate between the two is like, as in fractional work, you are actually going to be working at the company. You may even have an email 
and your the work you do is being positioned like you know Stevens come on six months and is going to help us address some of the people needs that we have and sometimes there's even a placement at the end of that like oh and here's and the last action I have is to hire your full time ongoing HR person and so that's the biggest difference at least from my perspective but I I can see why it's confusing because I think there is a bit of commingling of the two right now. And in this exploratory phase that you've been in for the last two or three months where you've talked to a lot of fractional HR leaders, you've talked to a lot of CPOs that work with fractional leaders, what's like one thing that you've learned about the fractional work that maybe you didn't know before? Yeah, that's so a like great biggest question. surprise. I think my the biggest surprise for me is that there's a whole like marketplace of fractional executives that are out there. And there are whole like ecosystems that like venture capital firms have a whole stable of fractional executives that they work from. And it's possible to make more money as a fractional executive and work less than if you're full time. And I think that is part of the part of the rise in fractional workers uh, fractional consultants or executives is that notion of like, hmm, maybe I can work less and not have to carry all this baggage from the company long term. And I think that has been a huge part of the rise and why people are looking at this. And last question about fractional for you. So from what we've heard, a lot of people leaders are burnt out. I think it was David Hanrahan's uh, survey that he sent out to 60 CPOs. And like out of the 60 CPOs that he sent it to, I'm going to get the stat wrong, but like half of them are no longer in a CPO role. They've either left HR entirely or they've gone fractional. Right. Do you think being a fractional HR leader solves like the problem of burnout? Yes and no. I think yes, it can help get you out of a rut. And I think a lot of these people leaders are in very difficult positions because not in all cases, but in many cases, they had an agenda, a team, a budget, goals that three years ago were very different to the team budget agenda that they have today. And I feel like it's more art than science in the people space, in my opinion. And I feel like as an artist, right, you put so much time into a piece, then to have someone come in and you're commissioned to, to create a piece of art only to fully design it and paint it. And then to have your customer tell you, actually, no, I want it completely different. And I want to reduce the scope. And I, I'm choosing this style that you may not like, but you know what? I don't care because I'm paying you to do it. That's kind of how I feel like it is. And so I think, yes, it's going to solve the burnout for the people that are in that situation because they are now out of a very difficult situation. But over time, the part of fractional work or consulting work that I think is easy to forget is you're a full-time salesperson. And sales has a stigma associated with it because it's hard and not everyone can do it. And so that to me is like, that's where the rubber meets the road in this kind of work. And that's why I don't think, I think people will get burnt out having to sell. Yeah. They don't find joy in that. And you and I both know, like 
to be effective at sales, you have to find some joy in it. Yeah. And so that's my yes and no. I think it does solve the burnout. And I think we're going to, you know, I've been through a few cycles like this and, you know, you see tons of people going out into the fractional space and then yeah. mark my words, once the market strengthens and there are cool opportunities, guess what? People are now out of burnout mode. Maybe the fractional work helped and they're like, yeah, I'm in. This is a cool opportunity. I'm going to sign up for full time. I don't think there's like a better way. There could have been a better way for us to end this episode because, and this is going to be my one word phrase or close. That was where tonomics at its finest. It's more art than a science in the people world. As an artist, you put so much into a piece and then to have someone come in and tell you that they don't like it, they want to change the style, they want to reduce the scope. Like that is like where tonomics right there. And I love it. So that's going to be my one word or phrase close. Nice. I'm going to go with fired up. We used to love the one-on-one riffs. They were our favorite ones. They were some of the more more stressful ones for me, but like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fired up. I think we found a format that's easy. Yeah. And it's got in all the pot. We get so many questions around like, what do you need to do to like, how do you create a podcast? Well, having a format that's easy and repeatable is a big step. So I agree. Well, I have got to run. So this is great. Yeah, we'll do it again. And we'll probably talk to you in like an hour. For sure. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Modern People Leader. We really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to know what you think about the show. And you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.